Good morning, good morning, Rabotai. Welcome to Breakfast on the Class. Breakfast on the Class today is dedicated in loving memory of Albert Ben Yakar. Alava Shalom, Lilunishmat. Albert Ben Menachem, Virifka. Alava Shalom, sponsored by grandson Lavi Rosenthal. As well, in loving memory, Lilunishmat Saleh Ben Simha Vishaul, sponsored by his grandson Charles Darwish. Also dedicated in celebration of the marriage of Orly and Benjamin Wagner, sponsored by Ruti and Rafi Fuzailov. In loving memory, Lulu Nishmat Avraham Eliezer Ben Elimelech, from his nieces and nephews that miss him every single day. In loving memory of Naftali Gad, Allah Shalom Lulu Nishmat Naftali Ben Leah Ben Nisan, beloved husband of Shifra Gad, father of Michael and Joseph Gad, Lily Ishai and Peggy Dahan. In loving memory, Lulu Nishmat Avraham Ben Aharon, sponsored by his granddaughter Sheba Hurizadeh. And in loving memory of David Bar Moha, Lilu Nishmat David Ben Sada from his wife Sylvia, children Yigal, Asher, Roni, Yossi, Nia, and Shiran and family. Happy birthday to Noi Hurizadeh, sponsored by his daughter Sheba Hurizadeh, Azag Baruch Shiva, for the double dip. Dedicated uh, in honor of Simcha Badrifka, we are so inspired by you. May Hashem bless you always. Love mommy and daddy. I understand that Simcha Badrifka is an avid listener. Uh, listens to all the classes. Hazakubaruch, Hashem should bless you. Komeshalot libech letova. Congratulations. Also sponsored by Lori and Brian Tuberman, dedicated on behalf of Leah Malka Bat Adina Sara and Shulamit Rezel Bat Adina Sara. In loving memory, and Lilun Ishman Nisim Ben Amelia, sponsored by his son Rafi Hasbani, um, and as well the week of Kobu, sponsored by David E. Ash, in honor of you and your substantial capacity to do good today. And every day. Hazaku Baruch. Ruach Adunai. Tinihanu began Eden. You bezad Hashem, you should bring him tremendous nahat in the Shmesh Mekedem and his Shama should be Ole. Ma'ala, ma'ala, through all of your great deeds and all the wonderful things that you and your family do in our community. My friends, I want to illustrate to you a pattern. A pattern of Paro, otherwise known as a Paro pattern. Paro <laughs> has a modus operandi. Remember that song? It goes, I can do it, we can, or you can do it too. Punchinello funny. Remember that? Remember that Punchinello funny fellow? I don't know what Punchinello means, right? You're, you have a deprived childhood. Okay, fine. Right? Everything that Moshe would do, what would Paro say? He would call in his Hartumim, his uh, local Orthodox musicians, uh, magicians, and he would tell them, okay, guys, whatever he's doing, you do. Moshe would throw down the stick, right? What would his, he'd have all of his, and the magicians would do the same thing. And then he does the blood, and what happens with the, with the, uh, with the uh, magicians? Paro calls in his magicians, and he asks him to do the same thing. Okay? I'm going to, uh, I'll read you the, the pasuk. He calls his, his sages, and he calls his magicians. And also his magicians could reproduce the trick with the stick. The trick stick. Stick trick, sorry. Okay, Paro hardens his heart. Okay, no problem. So what happens? Moshe does the blood. And then Paro calls his people in. And the, and the, uh, the sorcerers of Egypt did the same with their magic. Paro's heart is hardened. What happens with the frogs? Paro Hashem sends the frogs. What happens? Moshe, uh, Paro called, They do the same thing. And Paro also hardens his heart. Finally, what happens after the first 
three things. So the stick, which is not part of the Temakot, the dam, which is part of the Temakot, the Tzfardeah, which is number two, comes the third one of the Makot. So that's the fourth thing that they're being asked to reproduce. What's the third Makah? Dam, Tzfardeah, Kinim. They bring in the Kinim. <clears throat> Paro calls to his Hartumim. Vayomeru, vayasuken Hartumim elatehem. They tried to, uh, to elicit these, uh, these uh, lice, and they could not. There was lice in everything, from man to beast. Uh, and the, the sorcerer said to Paro, Etzba Elohimi. It's the finger of God. Paro hardened his heart and he did not listen to them. Just as Hashem said what happened, that Paro's heart was hardened and in the end, he, they, the Jews would be released uh, in the final scenario. Now, can I ask you a simple question? What is the reason that Paro, you don't have enough blood, you need to make more blood? You don't have enough frogs? You need to bring in your sorcerers to make more frogs? Why is Paro producing more frogs? Why is he having his sorcerers recreate the Makkah? This is the most simple answer. What's the answer? Moshe is not it. Nothing to do with God. What are you talking about? Look, you think that's a big deal? Look at my guys. My guys could do the same thing. We could do it too. Punchinello, funny fellow, like we said. Okay? It would have been more impressive if he was able to show him, look, I could stop it. I could stop it. Paro didn't think of that, right? Paro didn't think of that. Now, I want to point out one thing that most people miss. Let's go back to the first time, the first pasuk. That's why I read it to you the first time. What's the first pasuk when Paro calls his sorcerers? Did any of you notice an extra word? Nobody noticed it? And I read out the three, the four times that Paro calls his sorcerers. The first time, there's something different in the Pasuk. Something seemingly unnecessary. Excellent! Unbelievable! That's a Baal Kore right there. Vayikragam Paro. Paro also calls Lachachamim. What? To his wise men. And to his, what's it called? And to his sorcerers. And the Chartumim Mitzrayim also did it. And then from then on, we don't hear about the Chachamim. Because the Chachamim are not relevant, are they? The Chachamim, the wise men, are not part of this game. Who does he need for this game? He needs the sorcerers. But my friends, if the reason why, follow the logic here, if the reason why he calls the Chachamim is in order to disprove that this comes from God, in the third Makkah, in the fourth instance, they turn to Paro and they say to Paro about the Kinim, Etzba, this, this, is, uh, this is not a, an answer that Paro asked them for. Etzba Elohimi, it's the finger of God. We can't reproduce this. Rashi says there's two reasons. One reason why they were unable to reproduce it is because magic only 
uh, is relevant on something that is larger than the size of a grain of barley. And a lice is much smaller, can't, doesn't, can't affect it. The second opinion is that you can't actually perform any sort of magic or, uh, uh, or uh, spiritual uh, power when you're not connected to the ground. Since the kinim had covered the earth in Egypt, so the sorcerers, they weren't on the earth. They could not draw their uh, sorcery, their power, without being connected. In fact, the Gemara tells a whole story about Shimon ben Shetach when they were searching out these magicians, these uh, uh, purveyors of black magic. And Shimon ben Shetach told, the, told them, if you want to be able to capture them, so let's tell them we're going in for a dance. Everyone took one of them, they put them on their shoulders, they're dancing, and now they couldn't do anything because they were removed from the ground. So two reasons why they were unable to affect their magic. But in either scenario, and this is super interesting, in either scenario, what was their response? Etzba Elohim He. So to say it so eloquently, like you said it just now, Mr. Aini, the reason why he called the Hartumim is to say, Moshe ain't it. You're telling me this is God, it's not God. My guys could do the same thing. But now your guys are telling you they can't do the same thing. Now your guys are telling you that who is it? It's Baalimi. Surely Paro in this moment should fold like a house of cards and say, oh, okay, now it's God? All right, guys, it's God. Sounds like Paro followed the science until it gave, led him to a place where it, no, he no longer wanted to be to follow. So all of a sudden, all the ideas of, you know, that kind of goes out the window. Now what's fascinating to me is, I would have thought that at this juncture would be the first time you would see the words that we will see throughout the Makot, which is, not that Paro hardened his heart, which happened every other time, and it made sense. I mean, let's be honest. If some guy comes and says, look, this is God, and then you bring in your guy, and your guy can do the same thing. What are you going to say? It's not God. Look, my guy does that too. Or at the very least, what you've just done to prove God doesn't prove God. I'm like on Team Paro for the first, uh, for the first three. But then, then his, his guys can't do it. And what's Paro's response? The same as before. Now I want to point this out. That sheds light on why Paro brings Chachamav. His Chachamim were not there to be able to uh, refute the Makkah in terms of being able to recreate it. But he brought his Chachamav, his wise men, to be able to try and lift the veil and see through Moshe's trick. How's he doing this? Get all the wise men in here. You understand? But once his Khartoumim were capable of reproducing it, does he need his Chachamim? No. Because logically, if my guys can do it, and you, you can do it, then you don't have anything over me. Right? So he doesn't need the Chachamim. But my friends, he doesn't call the Chachamim back here. Oh. My rabbi said something once that really kind of got under my skin. Really got under my skin. He said, why is it that in the Torah there are more pesukim that talk about Lavan than there are pesukim that talk about Yitzchak? 
Huh? It's a crazy stat. Crazy stat, right? He said, because we have more to learn from Lavan than we have to learn from Yitzchak. <laughs> he said Yitzchak was perfection, personified. He was someone whose givurah, whose strength, was so off the charts that we can't really relate to him. He's the person who does nothing wrong ever. He's ola kilula, right? He's like a perfect korban. And when the time comes for him to give up his life, his response to Avram is, tie me tighter. Right? What, what could you possibly learn from someone so far removed from the human condition as to have been an angel walking the earth? Very hard to learn anything from Yitzchak, my rabbi said. But from Lavan, what not to be, what a liar looks like, what a person who cheats looks like, what the guy who looks in the contract and says, oh, you said Rachel, you said Bitcha, you said Kitana, Rachel, your daughter, the youngest. You said all those things. And I, I gave her to you, but then I switched her in the morning. <laughs> I gave it to you for the engagement. I just didn't give it to you for the wedding. We learn. We learn a lot from Lavan. Because we relate. We relate to Lavan. And it's our job to learn what not to do. My friends, how much press time does Paral get? How much time do we get to witness the persona of Paro? It must be that the persona of Paro is something that all of us struggle with and need to learn from. And Paro is nothing more, if you had to use one word to describe Paro, what would it be? Stubborn. Stubborn. Is that not you? Is that not me? Every Jew on earth. For you are a nation that is stiff-necked. In fact, our rabbis teach us that the word paro is the same words as ha'orif, the back of the neck. This word stiff-necked, kishe'orif, is the letters of paro. And the rabbis tell us we learned our stiff-neckedness from him. Now, it was a prerequisite for the wandering Jew, for the tortured Jew, for the subjugated Jew, for the picked on Jew to be stubborn. It was a prerequisite. And as the Pasuk says, I learned from all of my teachers. All of my teachers includes uh, it also includes Paro and includes Esav and includes Lavan. Includes Hitler, it includes Chemelyanitsky, it includes Assad. You learn from everybody. Some you learn what to do, some you learn what not to do. We learn from Paro the essence of what it means to stick to something, to cleave to something no matter what. And this, my friends, is the moment where we are truly introduced to Paro. Paro calls his Khartoumim to disprove God. He calls his Chachamim to disprove God. He's got this, the, uh, the uh, uh, sorcerers on one side, the, uh, the wise guys on the other, that Moshe performs the trick, they can't perform the trick. Paro turns to the right side, 
Could you reproduce the trick? They try, they can't. It's by the finger of God. He turns to the Chachamim on his left side. What do you got? Ma'ando. They have nothing. Vayifen ko. Vacho, he turned here. And here, Vayarki enis, he saw there was no man. Like the Pasuk you see by Moshe. And what's Paro's obvious answer? Not you win. What's Paro's obvious answer? Vayechezak lev Paro v'loshama alehem. Paro has nothing to say. He has no answer. He doesn't even say, I don't know, I don't buy it. Because he has nothing to say. Sometimes people are stubborn even when they have nothing to say. Even when it makes no sense. Even when you proved it to them. What do you mean if I was trying to hurt you, why would I have done that? I would have done this. Is this the, does this look like the type of person who doesn't respect you? I said this, I said this, I said this. I, all I've shown you the whole life is respect. Oh yeah, that's respect. They turn to this one. There's no proof. They turn to that one. There's no proof. I'm still angry at you. You know people like that? You are people like that? Come on. I don't know I can't listen. So if I was to ask you, let's play posthumous prehistoric psychologist. There's a PPP if you ever saw one. It's a PPP that doesn't make. <laughs> PPP, posthumous prehistoric psychologist. Let's sit in our armchairs and analyze a fellow called Paro. Why is Paro so stubborn even when he literally doesn't have a leg to stand on? It makes no sense. He has no proof. It, his own guys are on Team God. It's by Elohim. <laughs> you know, I, I, sometimes I imagine myself, I insert myself in these biblical stories. Fly on the wall, I'm a guard in Paro's room. I imagine. And I imagine these moments, these missed mic drop moments. Like when Paro says to Moshe, who is God? that I should listen to him. And I just imagine Moshe saying, I don't know, ask all your sorcerers. Pfft, ah, you know, <laughs> it's my He's the guy that your guys are talking about. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what's, why is Paro unable? What makes it so hard for him to admit this? And obviously we're not analyzing Paro, my friends, who are we analyzing? Ourselves. We're analyzing ourselves. What makes Paro unable? Even when all the signs are against him. Ego. Ego. More. Paro, he's invested here. If this is God, then what? Let's play an if-then game. If this is God, then what? What's this God, the one I'm admitting to, what is he asking me? He didn't ask Paro to put on tefillin. He didn't say to Paro, could you get a pair of pants on? What did, what did God say to Paro? Only one thing. Let my people go. Paro's got millions and millions and millions of slaves. 
producing untold revenue. Free. Free labor. Right? Paro could teach our country a thing or two. Right? Paro, he, he, can't, he can't. Because he's invested. Because he'll lose something. This is the power of interest. Of having an interest. Of bias. In something that you're trying to have an honest opinion on. If you have bias, you have no honesty. Now, sometimes people are like, what do you mean? There are times when I'm biased and I am honest. Okay, that's not enough bias. Or that's not enough honesty. To whatever degree the bias is large enough, the honesty is not there. And that's why our rabbis tell us, Ki hashochad ya'aver because the, a bribe will blind the eyes of the wise. It will turn the words of the righteous. Even if the guy's righteous, he can't help himself. Because when you have a bias, it's not that you choose not to hear. It's not that you decide not to agree. It's not that you make some sort of decision, you know, not to go along with something. You just can't see it. This is no Shamaalim. I don't know what you're talking about. What are you talking? This is God? No, it's not God. Guys, could you do it? No, they can't do it. Chachamim, do you see through it? No, you don't see through it. Yeah, no, it's not happening. Not no. Just no. What do you mean no? No. You ever try to have a conversation like this with your teenager? But if you don't do that, then this is going to happen. You're not going to get the... Not doing it. Why? Just not. Not doing it. Parents, teenagers feel that way sometimes about parents. Why? Because I said no. Is this how our sad feels and uh, Hitler fell like this? To answer that question, yes. Every single despot, every single monarch... What motivates the monarch is their own agendas and goals. And they could not care less about anything or anyone else. You know, they talk about the people and how they're there for the people. And then they literally attack their own people with nerve gas. You know, Hitler talks all about, uh, um, you know, rebuilding Germany and the pride of the Aryan people and taking over da-da-da-da. But then when he had to choose between his pet project of eliminating the Jews or winning the war. He would not prioritize the trains going to Auschwitz. He would not let them use the trains going to Auschwitz to bring his soldiers to Normandy, to the beachfront that lost them the war. So for all of his talk about the fatherland and for all of his talk about the Aryan race, end of the day, it boiled down to hate. And hate conquered all. And I'm sure he had sitting in his room with him the Khartoumim and the Chachamim. And he said to them, is it okay if I use the trains for the Jews in Auschwitz? And they said, no. Can you conjure me up some other trains from somewhere else? And he said, no. And they said, they're Fuhrer. What should we do? And he said, no, just, just send the Jews. You see it in businesses. CEOs who feel like their leadership is being threatened. 
by someone who's junior to them. They make a decision for the company that's bad for the company. And the Khartoumim, and the Chachamim, no, 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 no. Well, I'm the CEO, and it's my decision to make, and this is what we're doing. You ever met a boss like that? Are you a boss like that? Ay, 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 ay. How much do we relate to Paro, to Lavan, to Esav? I want to ask you, and I'll end with this. So what do you think it is? And hopefully we'll pick this up in a further class. So what do you think it is that finally gets Paro to get off his, 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 uh, his high horse? But there's lots of personal loss, isn't there? Sorry? His son. So nothing else had affected Paro? Did Paro get boils? Did Paro have frogs in his palace? Yeah, Paro in pajamas in the middle of the night. Right? I would imagine he was affected by many of them. There are two times when Paro's his medal is tested. And uh, I'm going to leave you with this question for the end of today's class. And we'll discuss this in a further class. What is it that finally gets Mr. Stubborn Paro? Mr. I don't care what you say, I don't care what you say. Um, what gets him to change his mind? If you want to take a look, where is the places he changes his mind? Well, the obvious one is Makat Bechorot. Okay? And the less obvious one, which people seem to forget, is by Barad, where he runs to Yosef, to Moshe, and he says, Hatati Apam, I have sinned this time. Amunaya Sadiq, God is the righteous one. Me and my people are the wicked ones. Ha'atiru el Hashem, pray to God. Virav mihiyot kolot elokim ubarad. And let there not be any more this deafening noise and these hailstones. I will send you and you won't wait here anymore. What precipitates this change of heart in Paro? That is how we will end today's uh, class with this question. The seemingly unconvincible gets convinced. What is it? Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen v'amen. Rabbi.